Hello, listener, and welcome to uh, Ready to Believe You, a Ghostbusters podcast. Uh, this is the first part of a two-part episode about the original Ghostbusters. Now, as listeners of the show from seasons one and two know, uh, Rip and I, you know, kind of get long-winded, <laughs> for lack of a better term, when we uh, love, we talk about stuff we love. The Furious 7 episode of Quarter Mile in Time is famously two and a half hours long, and the quality of that episode is not up to my standards of what I want it to be. Is a we had to we had to make a small file size, and in the process, it was low quality audio. So I decided to give you both quality and quantity by splitting this three-hour and sixteen-minute episode into two parts. So this is part one of our discussion about Ghostbusters. Enjoy. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters! Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you! listener and welcome to ready to believe you a ghostbusters podcast the only podcast that was present at an undersea unexplained mass sponge migration perfect i'm nick lathan and i'm rip camelucci and this episode we're talking the first ghostbusters the 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 one and only baby yes the only film that was ever made um, right off the bat rip, rap, bap, bap, rip, bat, rip. I'm bad at this. I haven't podcast in so Hi, long. I'm bat, uh, rip. <laughs> do you think, I'm preparing the listener for this. This might be a, uh, uh, a two-part episode. Oh, we, we might go on a long time. Okay. We might go on a long time. The spice hitting us in the face right out the gate. It might be. I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I don't know yet because there's a lot of shit to talk about. Because this is the first uh, in a famous movie, and yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So I, uh, you know, I, I was actually thinking about this earlier today, and mm-hmm. how how much this specific episode, much less this season of the podcast, uh, that overall as an umbrella title, I always refer to myself as franchise surprise Mm -hmm. uh this is a long time coming uh not just not just for like you or me individually but like together to to talk about exclusively ghostbusters on a podcast medium it's Uh, weird it's weird that i haven't done this before yeah strange for me too it's I, i you know i think it's one of those things that we're just like we maybe kind of avoided it because it's too obvious for for, I, uh, for anyone that knows us. I avoid it like the plague. I there's the thing about me. I hate talking about stuff I love. Isn't that weird? Well, uh, you know, you you sure talk about sneakers a whole fucking bunch. 
Which, by the way, that's on HBO Max. I don't know if it still is the time that this comes out, but it's on there now. So if you're at a time machine and you want to go back to the time that we recorded this, watch that movie. Have you watched Sneakers yet? It stars Dan Aykroyd. I have not watched Sneakers yet, but way to, way to bring it around. You son of a bitch. Anyway, um, yeah. I th- Here's the thing about Ghostbusters. I'm going to bring this up. I don't like most uh, merch involved with Ghostbusters. Um, hmm. I think the only Ghostbusters shirt I own is from 8-Bit Zombie, and it is the Ghost logo, the No Ghost logo, with him wearing Wayfarer sunglasses, and he has a power glove. Power glove. Uh, I love, I love that logo. I had, I, a, I had a shirt, I had a shirt that said, uh, it was a picture of the trap, and it said, stay trapping. Those are the only two, <laughs> those are the only two Ghostbusters shirts I've worn with pride. Uh, I have had several pieces of of uh, wearable merchandise as an adult i've had just a classic the classic no ghost logo i feel like that was a gift mm-hmm. uh you know just a fucking classic old navy yeah graphic tee uh i had so, one of those shirts. something something that tony stark would wear <laughs> thousand percent yes <laughs> uh i had you remember those shirts that were popular in like the late 2000s, early 2010s, that was like the body, the small body of something on the shirt. Yeah. And the head was the head. Yeah. And this was also a gift. Uh, so I had that, uh, but it was the Stay Puffed body. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, I had a shirt of uh, Admiral Akbar in the Ghostbusters jumpsuit. Uh, I had that shirt too. Yeah. So, and, and the thing I loved about it is that it didn't say, it didn't say it. It didn't say the thing. Yeah. It just lets you come to it. I have, I, I, that shirt is probably somewhere in my parents' house. I, cause it was like, it's from T-Fury, right? Yes. It was the one shirt a day website. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was a fun shirt. I also had a, another shirt from them that was a, uh, they had a lot of good crossover shirts. And one that they had that I liked was it was uh, the like the you know the Full Metal Jacket poster is the mm-hmm. helmet that says Born to Kill. Mm-hmm. Well, my it was uh, it was an alien spikes Colonial Marine helmet, and on it it said Game Over Man. Yes, I had that shirt. Yeah, I I realize I'm, now I had like a ton of Ghostbusters shirts because also like I was able to find the the ones that like threaded that needle and that of like. Of being a good reference, but not being overt. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, uh, uh, another one I had was, I was like the Motorhead logo, but it was Gozerhead. And yeah, I've seen that one. Looked pretty cool. Uh, Mullet got me one that was like uh, the Mar- one of the Ramones uh, album covers, but it was just, you know, the Ghostbusters like in that style. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm forgetting a few more, but like really the only Ghostbusters shirt that I have right now, I got at... Halloween Horror Nights two years ago when they had the Ghostbusters uh, house and they had a bunch of shirts I was like into, but the one I ended up getting were, uh, I was a shot, it was Ecto one and it was the, the real Ghostbusters, but they were all in the tan jumpsuits, unlike they normally are in the real Ghostbusters, except for the episode that explains like the events immediately following the movie. Mm-hmm. And it explains why they have different jumpsuits in the cartoon. Um, yeah, we're gonna have a toys. Ep- 
And because it threaded that fucking needle of like such a reference to where if anyone actually like called it out, like, oh, why aren't they in the jumpsuits they're supposed to be? I'm like, motherfucker, they are. And here's why. Uh, that's a conversation starter. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a fucking me yelling at you starter. Yeah, we're, uh, we're definitely going to have a toys episode because I, um, Walmart has those Hasbro uh, of exclusive real Ghostbusters toys. And I bought two of each. Mm-hmm. One's in the pack, another one so I could take it out. And I've been thinking... Smart. They, the the dude's been sitting on my shelf next to my uh, 4K copies of the uh, of the three Ghostbusters movies. Yeah, I went out and just went ahead and just upgraded them all to 4K. The Ghostbusters 2016 4K case, it is thick. Yeah. Because it comes with it comes with the 4K. Okay. It comes with the Blu-ray. Okay. It comes with the 3D Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and I think it comes with the DVD. So this some bitch got four discs. We got your bases covered. Yeah, I think if, if they could put a VHS in there, they probably could. When, <laughs> like, I almost understand when they have the Blu-ray and the DVD in, in the one case. Yeah. But when they have the 4K all the way down to the DVD, is that just for you to give your poor friends? I don't know, dude. I, I'm at this stage in... Um, we're at that stage, I think, at which they need to stop making DVDs. Yeah. Yeah. DVDs have outlived VHS, because VHS has been out, out since how long? Like I, VHS? Yeah, you would, you would, you would actually, I, I figured you would have those dates. Like, yeah, oh. I would have, I would have, definitely would have those stats, but um, yeah. I don't, I mean, I know the last, uh, I know the last movie to be released on VHS was A History of Violence. I mean, do you think that just because they're like discs? Like the companies are just just keep, you know, as long as it, the the format is still going to be on a disc of some type, that the companies are just kind of like, well, we might as well while we're here, make yeah. make them all, you know. All right. So or, or are the is the the DVD specifically the DVD industry just waiting to fold it all in with like Best Buy as well? I don't know, because this is how. I'm glad, I'm glad we're off on a tangent about video formats. But I think it's pretty relevant. You know, it's pretty relevant because I, I own because I own Ghostbusters on every format you can, I, I, except for Beta and Laserdisc. Those are the only two I don't have. I I have it on VHS. I still have yeah. the my copy from childhood. Do you have the um, clamshell or the sleeve? Sleeve. Okay, I had the clamshell first, and then I didn't I got even the know you made a clamshell for Ghostbusters. Yeah, it was a, it's like a gold gold clamshell, like the edges were gold. That's what I had as a kid. You but, call it you call it a clamshell. I or, always I always thought it was clamshell. Well, I misspoke. Did you miss? Because <laughs> if that is like how you've always said it, I, that that's fine. Like I that's just like I I just find that like super interesting. Yeah, I meant to say clamshell. Okay. I was cl- that's the thing is like clamshell does kind of also work as well. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, clamp from Gremlins Two. That's why. Uh, oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, so yeah, I have that. So VHS uh, was invented in. Uh, okay, so it launched in the U.S. in 1977, and then it was out of circulation by 2008. Eight. So I would have said 2005. That's interesting. Um, I think A History of Violence was the last movie to be put on VHS. Anyway, that's all this podcast is going to be is uh, tangents onto different media. All right, so I still own my 
Ghostbusters uh, Power Glove shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why I don't mm-hmm. wear it anymore is because the way they screen printed the logo, it's very flaky now. I've worn mm. it so much that it is just like if you rubbed your hand on it, you yeah. would have like graphic, you know, T graphic oh, on your hand. I hate when that happens. That That's a bummer. It's a great shirt. I love it. I wish they would reprint it. I would yeah. rebuy it. I have a patch that with that's on there. And when I eventually build a proton pack, which I'm on a waiting list to get a kit uh, parts kit, um, <laughs> I want to fucking pull the trigger this year and get one. Do it. But um, I'm gonna put that patch on my Ghostbusters flight suit. Anyway, that's the kind of people you're dealing with here, listener. <laughs> Uh, the first and only Ghostbusters podcast. <laughs> I was actually looking, looking, listening to like the introductions of certain like uh, other Ghostbusters podcasts. So I was mm-hmm. like, because I haven't had an idea in my head, and of course, when I have an idea, I always search everything else, and I'm like, hopefully, I don't rip those people off. I'm proud to say, recon, ha- haven't ripped ripped anybody off. Good, good. Oh man, and if so, fuck them, because we'll do it better. Oh wow! So, wow. is that a little aggressive? It was aggressive. Wow. Okay. All right. So, uh, is there anything else you want to discuss before we get into the movie? Um, do we have any stats on the movie? Uh, for some reason, I did not do any stats for this movie. Hey, but you know, we 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 took a, an extended hiatus. This yeah. is only to be expected. I want to tell you the um. It said that the uh, somebody was like the most successful comedy movie of all time. Talking about goat like this movie, and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure Beverly Hills Cop beat at the box office. <laughs> uh, to me, yeah, so, I don't know who right. said that. It just cracked me up. Let's see some stats. Wow, wow, we was so the budget was thirty million dollars, mm-hmm. um, in which that came about because they pitched this movie to Columbia and. Uh, Ivan Reitman said, yeah, 30 million threw a number out there 10 mm-hmm. times. What was it? Three or 10 times the budget he ever used. Cause the first, yeah. cause I think he made three movies before this. One was an exploitation film and then he made meatballs and then stripes. stripes. So it's a $30 million box office and the worldwide was 296 million. And that's all releases. Let's look at the original release. The original mm. release was two hundred twenty-nine million. So that's and that's nineteen eighty-four dollars. Yeah, that's which, pretty good. Which equals two hundred and ninety-nine million today. Yeah. Uh, isn't there a thing where, like, Ghostbusters movies just cannot get released in China due to like religious reasons of like showing ghosts or something like that. Yeah, I think I think there is a thing with like supernatural and paranormal stuff. Yeah, cuz I remember before the 2016 uh, Ghostbusters came out, uh answer the call. Uh there was I I read something before and in the lead up to say like basically just like, "Hey, get ready for people to shit on it not making as much money worldwide." But here's the reason why, is cuz mm-hmm. they weren't able to open in fucking China, the biggest foreign market you can open in. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. This was, I saw, did I see the 30th? Cause they have a, they have a list of re-releases on box office mojo. I think, yeah, I saw the 30th anniversary re-release. I've seen this movie. Uh, 
I saw it that re-release. I think I saw it one other time in the theater. I've seen this movie three times in the theater. Two was digital, and one was in 70 millimeter. Um, I saw it once in theaters. It was just after I moved up to Chicago. And it was just such a... Like, there were a lot of little moments after I moved to Chicago that was just like, hey, you made the right decision. This is dope and can only happen here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of those things... Not that it could only happen in Chicago, but it definitely would not have happened in, you know, like the small town that I was living in before. Yeah. Um, to go see one of my favorite movies on the big screen. And it was great. Yeah. My shortly after moving to Chicago, I think it was January. It was either January or February. Me and friend of the show, Zoe Agapinen, went to go see this in 70 millimeter. She had never seen it before. And, um, oh. Yeah, first of all, the gray lady at the beginning of the movie scared the shit out of her. It's scary. And that's when I found out that Zoe hates horror movies. <laughs> and um, it, like, scared the shit out. She screamed so loud when, the, like, she went, ah, did that thing. That rules. If I was in that theater, like, for that showing and heard someone scream, I would, that would be, like, the perfect experience. Dude, it was, it's today my favorite time I've ever watched this movie was. Sure. Because. Because it was huge, and then I was with, you know, a friend of mine who, that was the first time we ever hung out with each other was seeing this movie. But, um, yeah, we saw this movie together. She'd never seen it, and she reacted perfectly to everything. Like, that's, laughed at it. Yeah. That's a risk, too. Like, going to going to see a beloved movie with someone that you're hanging out with for, like, the first time. Yeah. Because, like, how many movies do you have, like, in your life to where, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember seeing that. I saw that with, like, fucking Eric? What? <laughs> that guy was like a fucking blip in my life. Like, what the fuck? That's weird. That's just fucking, a weird memory. And I went and saw Eric. Little Nikki with Eric and Brian. Like, I don't, I, I didn't talk to those guys after two weeks. You know what I'm thinking? Uh, relating back to the first season of this podcast for Halloween, I could not figure out who I saw Rob Zombie's Halloween with. You know who I think it was with? Fucking Eric. <laughs> What if, it was just have that be uh, like we don't know like any anytime we need to blame something on somebody we need to blame it on Eric fucking Eric with a C not a K he's not what he's not he's not German he's not European it's with a C <laughs> oh man uh, <laughs> yeah the uh, seventy mil that, yeah that that screening was great it was at the music box in Chicago and. In the lounge afterwards, we like went to go in there to get a drink. No, it was beforehand. We went to go get a drink because Music Box, of course, when they do special screenings, they have cocktails. So they had an alcoholic ecto cooler. It was like it tasted like ecto cooler, but it could get you drunk. Oh, that's they're they they hey, turns out Music Box knows what they're doing. Yeah, but when we walked in there, they had a, a photo op set up with, like, I guess this is Chicago Ghostbusters. Oh, hell yeah. Very well known uh, in these parts. And um, they were there, and they had a they had a woman with them who was dressed like Gozer. Mm-hmm. And she had, uh, it was really cool because she had the lightning that would come out of her fingers, but it, they were fans. Oh, nice. It was, I was like, I was like, holy shit, that's such a good cosplay element to turn like fucking fans into lightning that's great it was really cool um i i have like a short video of them that i might post on the instagram i have to go dig through it from my 2016 archives anyway 
Really anyway. cool. Anyway. You want to say anything else? Is there any other stats I could think of? Oh! I mean, what was it at at the box office when yeah. uh, it was released? We haven't done this podcast in a while, everybody, so bear with me. We're rusty, and that's okay. Oh, man. We're rusty, and that's okay. Let's see. Year. Uh, we'll see. 1984. Have you been to the locations from these mov- this movie? Uh, when I was in New York for WrestleMania uh, 2019, a couple years ago, three years ago, a couple years ago, um, I, I made it a point uh, that we go by the firehouse, um, which in the movie they say is a, a shitty neighborhood. Um, it's actually a really very nice neighborhood now. Tribeca? Yeah, Tribeca. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Box Office Mojo doesn't have the complete archives, so... Oh, do you just, mean Box Office Mojo's dog shit now? Uh, was it a single day? Full week. Let's do that. Okay. Let's go to next week. They just still don't have that for next week. God, Box Office Mojo. What a... What a... What a sad thing to happen to such a, a fucking great website. Well, it's it's like, if it's a recent movie... Like all the fast films. What the fuck? <laughs> it's saying for the daily box office for the entire year that Ghostbusters was number one at the box office. Every week. I'm not lying. On box I wish. office. <laughs> In but my like, mind? Oh, I, I take that back. It's, it goes Temple of Doom, Temple of Doom, then Ghostbusters. <laughs> so, like, Temple of Doom came out in May. All right. Feel free to scrap this if we can't. Find it, man. It's fine. But Beverly Hills Cop came out that year, and let's look up Gremlins. Um, this this is bad, man. Anyway, oh daily. Let's go to weekend. Um, bum, 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 bum. all right. I think we got it now. I think I think I figured it out. Yes, I figured it out now. Sorry, everybody. All right, here we go. We got it. 8th through the 10th, the weekend that Ghostbusters came out. Number one at the box office with a bullet, Ghostbusters. Number two, Gremlins. Open the same day. Wow. Wow. Rarely does that happen where like two sci-fi comedies, basically, a horror comedy mm-hmm. and a sci-fi comedy, uh, come out the same day and, and stand the test of time. I want to tell you... Uh, so, Ghostbusters was number one at the box office everywhere in the United States but New York City. Because they pissed off New York so bad while they were filming Ghostbusters that New York collectively said, Fuck you, we're seeing Gremlins instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still in shit with my boss for being late because I couldn't get to fucking work that one day. Let's go see the fucking Fuzzy Thing movie. Them, so, them sons of bitches, they fucking broke up the whole fucking road just so they can put a cop car in there so Dan Aykroyd has fucking Canadian ass because just jump out of there. What a piece of shit. They should have shot this in fucking Chicago. They should have shot this in Boston. Okay. Um, number they should have shot bo- this in fucking Philly. <laughs> number three at the box office was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Jesus. Yeah. Um, number, number four was Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. 
Which, all right, people talk shit about the odd number uh, Star Trek movies, but Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock, and The Voyage Home, in my opinion, is a perfect trilogy. What, did you not want to find Spock? You gotta search for him. <laughs> oh, man, then we got Beat Street, which, that is... What the fuck is Beat Street? That sounds familiar. Number six, The Natural, starring my main man, Robert Redford. Number seven was Romancing the Stone, uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis. And then number eight was Breaking. Gotta love the ca- gotta love canon. Breaking one, Breaking one. Okay. Number nine, the box office. Uh, another movie I saw in seventy millimeter that used a music box in Chicago, Streets of Fire, which also stars Rick Moranis. He's not a star; he's a supporting character, but still, you know. And then number ten, Police Academy. Oh wow! What a what a, a selection at the box office. That, I'm what, tell- what weekend was that again? This was uh, June eighth through tenth, nineteen eighty four. Good summer. Um, this is something. It's a phenomenon, but like, um, Gremlins was released in the summer. Yeah, hmm. Di-, Di Hard was released in the summer. Well, because that's not a Christmas movie. Shut up. <clears throat> You're going to get a bunch of assholes on here yelling at you. Um, oh, Brent, go ahead. Get on the podcast and yell at me. All right. So Ghostbusters was number one in the box office for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks until it was dethroned by Purple Rain. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm all right with that. And then it went right back up the number one the next week later. <clears throat> And then it's it just was, like respect for Prince, you know? Yeah. And then it was dethroned again by Red Dawn. Oh, okay. Ghost so Ghostbusters kept kept uh just popping in and out of the number one spot? Yeah, it's weird. Cause like cause uh yeah, and then August thirty first or September second, it was number one again, and then that was Labor Day weekend, and I then mean, a couple I feel of weeks. Like it's not terribly out of the ordinary for that time for like things to go in and out of number one. Yeah. Just because I mean, things had a longer run in theaters and then there was just less to see. Like mm-hmm. there, it wasn't every weekend, a huge fucking tent pole property coming out with something, you know? Yeah. And then Beverly Hills cop, it looks like came out in December <clears throat> and then, and then there's a little battle between ghostbusters and Beverly Hills cop for, yeah. uh, for a while. And wasn't, Eddie Murphy's supposed to be in a, an iteration, at least, of a Ghostbusters movie? This is what the original cast was going to be. It was going to be <clears throat> Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi. Harold Ramis was going to be Egon every time. And then Winston was going to be Eddie Murphy. But yeah. Eddie Murphy was too big of a celebrity or something. I don't know. He did Beverly Hills Cop instead. Which was funny about Beverly Hills Cop was it was originally going to be a Stallone movie. Mm-hmm. And Stallone's ideas from that movie t- became Cobra. What if there was the old switcheroo where Eddie Murphy ended up doing Beverly Hills Cop and Stallone ended up being in Ghostbusters? <laughs> that's a weird that's a weird concept to wrap your head around is someone like Stallone in fucking Ghostbusters. This is the thing. Uh, you, you, you sit still in a Ghostbusters. My mind immediately went to, uh, what are you supposed to be? Some kind of, <laughs> some, kind of ex- some kind of a cosmonaut. <laughs> Somebody saw a cockroach on the floor. <laughs> I must have been some cockroach. <laughs> Bite your head off, pal. 
Going up? I'll take the next one. <laughs> <laughs> or, or he fucking plays Peck. <clears throat> Shut this thing off. They cause, this thing off. they cause an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man had to dick. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> He's fucking Dex. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Fankman. Turn it off. Turn all this off. So what exactly are you a doctor of? Dr. Fankman. <laughs> Oh, man. Or, you know, I just like the idea of him as a Ghostbuster, but then, like... Uh, uh, hey, Ray, if he, somebody asks you if you're a god, you say yes. You say yes! Uh, <laughs> I, I just want him to, like, retrofit Pauly's robot from Rocky IV uh, as, as, like, a... Like a you know, not like the uh, uh, bomb robot, but like as a trap robot. If you're yeah. too dangerous to send to just roll the trap in there, yeah. you send a, the the you send Paulie's robot in there. Oh man, that would be that'd be phenomenal. Oh man, we need to set up a typewriter for Rocky versus the Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would be a dream come true. Now I will say, successful movies have come out of the Rocky versus. Rocky versus blank template because that's what Predator was. Predator was oh, like, yeah. cause they were like, yeah, what if Rocky fought an alien? And that's what Predator is. So like Rocky versus poltergeists. Oh my God. <laughs> you moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. <laughs> I can only do calm Stallone. You seem to can do angry Stallone. Very Caroline. <laughs> Caroline. Uh, hey, uh, <laughs> how you enjoying this Ghostbusters podcast so far, listener? Uh, man, I just want to know, there needs to be an origin scene in one of these movies that, of course, features Stallone uh, cutting the tip of a pizza with some scissors. <laughs> For the mayor, I saw a, my, one of my favorite tweets is a picture of uh, pizza shears that was like in a grocery store. <laughs> it was a, a pair of scissors that's specifically for cutting pizza. And um, what you call it? The tweet just said, for the Marion Cabretti in your life. <laughs> and it just made me laugh my ass off. Hey, I'm, the, I'm the gatekeeper. I'm the key master. Are you the gatekeeper? <laughs> the, the, that day I tell you. No, let me tell you who Stallone should have played. Fucking Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> <laughs> now, now is the hour of Vigo. <laughs> I command you, command me, Lord. <laughs> On a river of blood. He's clearly reading cue cards the entire time. <laughs> what if it was Stallone, but voiced by Max von Sydow still? Anyway, all right. We have to move on. Yeah, let's go into the movie, man. So <laughs> Ghostbusters came out June 8th, 1984. It was number one in the box office for several weeks, as we previously talked about. And... Um, opening image, we have the library, and let me go into the library, and let me tell you some bullshit I did when I was location looking, because I went up to New York uh, for the 30th anniversary of Ghostbusters, 
And you can look it up on my Instagram, hashtag GB30NYC. And I took a picture of the wrong fucking lion. Oh, no. Because I did a thing in which I still have my Ray action figure from when I was a kid. My real mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Ray. He's wearing the the gray and orange jumpsuit that the later, you know, I guess it's the second iteration of those figures. But yeah, I took a picture of the wrong. You know why? Because they were doing construction on the other lion. Just like they were doing in the movie. As you can see, you know, all the, the scaffolding in the background. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of want to save this for later, but uh, something I noticed this rewatch was uh, the extras that are outside the library at the beginning of the movie show up outside of the fucking bank when they're getting their bank loan. I swear oh, to wow. God. There's specifically one dude when they're running outside of the library. He's a guy with like, he has like really big eyes and he has curly hair. You see him walking along next to them after they leave the bank, which made me look like, is this guy motherfucking stalking the Ghostbusters? <laughs> He's a disgruntled student. Yeah. Not that's why his hair, one. that's why his hair is so curly. Cause Venkman shocked him so many fucking that's times. That's exactly why. So yeah, we start off on the, the librarian getting scared by the gray lady, which we don't know yet. Uh, the difference between VHS and Blu-ray and DVD is, uh, when she's running through the, through the stacks or whatever in the basement, mm-hmm. there's like a, of course, a light presence behind her. I did not see that presence until I watched this on Blu-ray. Yeah. So it helped out a lot, Blu-ray, but also hindered, hindered it a little bit, but we'll talk about that later. Man. Yeah. That's just, this is a solid cold open for a movie. Oh. I think. Oh, thousand percent. It's like, <clears throat> actually like spooky, scary. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you were getting hit with the great soundtrack, like the score, like out the gate. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, uh, and it's also the, the lady that played, uh, Finkel's mom in Ace Ventura. The ace is out. <laughs> I hope Dan Marino dies of gonorrhea and rots in hell. Oh man. I have not seen Ace Ventura in a long time and I'm not going to watch it again cause I'm. Fairly positive. It does not hold up. Well, you can go into it knowing that the the end of the movie does not hold up. Yeah. But the whole uh, the bit where Ace Ventura, of course, catches a bullet with his teeth. Still funny. Oh, still great. Uh, so, yeah. And we're introduced. We're, after that, that is such a it, it, the beginning of this movie sets up what the movie's going to be so well. Just because it's scary and like, you know, where you're going to be into. It's such a. Like, it'd be a good beginning for a horror movie. Yeah. I think. And then we immediately go to Columbia, which they don't say Columbia for legal reasons, but we all know it's Columbia. And fun fact about Columbia, it's right near the Seinfeld restaurant. Oh, it's right near Tom's restaurant? Yeah. Hell yeah. Because I, uh, <laughs> I seriously do need to get back to New York just to do a proper New York location tour because yeah. we only did the firehouse when I was down, when I was up there. Um, but there's just, there's so much, there's so much. We did everything. And, uh, during this, during this tour that I led uh, my friends, Anton and Christian on, I coined, cause you know, they got all these, they got the sex in the city bus tour. Mm-hmm. They got the such and such bus tour. Mm-hmm. I want to start a business called ghost bus tours in which you go around to all the ghostbusters location and like a bus. It looks like the Ecto one. It's ghost bus tours. Look, you know, some people shit on coming up with the name first and working backwards, (laughs) but sometimes it just works. 
Yeah, it works in NYC because you got two fucking movies to draw locations from. And the name is the pitch. Yes. Know? Yeah. And look, Nick, it's fine. Everyone has three mortgages these days. <laughs> but you will understand <laughs> my grandparents left me that house. I was born there. Well, I had 19% interest. I didn't even negotiate with the guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who's this guy following us? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so then we go immediately to Columbia and then we go to into a fake hall, which I took a picture of that, that, that little plaque that's outside mm-hmm. of the hall, Weaver Hall, I think fake. And, um, of course are introduced to Venkman in which a very good character introduction. Oh, incredibly. He's a <sighs> man. So we get to the, the, the line later on that describes him that was mm-hmm. changed from a used car salesman to a game show host. And like, mm-hmm was so much better because especially like old game show hosts were all fucking creeps and perverts yeah which is what peter rankman is yep <laughs> like God. he's he's you know easily like the third creepiest thing in this movie yeah pretty much yeah he um it's a like i'll rank this up up there with like the best character introductions number one with the bullets jack slater and last action hero and then i'm trying to think who else yeah fakeman's up there man um there is a i don't know if it's still like running whatever but i used to play this mobile ghostbusters game that was kind of like a it's like pokemon it's like pokemon catch yeah uh no not like pokemon but kind of kind of just like pokemon like yeah. in general like you know just like 8-bit style or whatever oh never um, mind. where the uh the villain was the ghost of the guy that gets shocked at the beginning of the movie that's funny yeah it was it was a very good like the fact that they just even used that was, was very clever and very fun made for a very fun game I'm thinking of uh, there is a there is a mobile game that was like Pokemon Go, that was you can oh. catch ghosts and you had to be at a specific location to catch ghosts. I remember seeing screenshots for this and then just forgetting to download it. <laughs> I I mostly played it at work, so it's just me going around my office like during downtown downtown downtime catching ghosts. I wonder if it's still a thing. I don't think it is. I forget what it was called, but yeah, it was it was fairly fun because you could fight, you can catch Slimer and the Stay Puffed and all that stuff. The usual suspects. Ghostbusters World is that maybe what it was? That I don't think that's it. Ghostbusters World still. I don't think this this one exists anymore. Hmm. But yeah, during the shocking sequence, you you know, God, yeah, it's just Fakeman flirting with a woman and torturing a man, which. Perfectly sums up <laughs> how he he how he operates as a human being. That is his mo. Yeah, I was just about to say eight o'clock. This is really just going to be me fucking quoting the movie in every scene you bring up. Yeah, I'm sorry. That uh, I, so I something I noticed this time is all the signage they have in their lab. Uh, you'll see it later on in the containment unit. So obviously the eviction dudes didn't uh didn't take that shit from them i assume they were just like bringing everything out into the street that like wasn't like super valuable i assume everything was owned by the campus and that's what they were taking yeah 
But that's later on. And then we go to uh, Ray comes in. We're immediately introduced. See, we're just introduced to all three, the three main characters immediately, which is great. Because Ray comes in there freaking out. And then they go to the library and we're introduced to Egon, which I love his introduction. How many times have you slammed down a book to get somebody's attention? Not enough. Yeah. Um, but that is a particularly cruel thing to do, especially like he knew he had the stethoscope on the on the table. I want to talk about that stethoscope because it's a stethoscope that's attached to headphones. Yeah, I love I love the the production design of the props in this movie because they just took found parts and then put slap two things together. Like the the proton pack has parts from like a train set. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like. You you can't just like come up with that stuff whole cloth. You gotta like, you know, yeah, hodgepodge shit together. It's all kit bashing. That's all it is. Yeah, and all that shit is like those parts because of. Uh, that's also what it's known as when uh, someone talks shit about Night Rider kit bashing. <laughs> and I won't stand for it. <sighs> <laughs> anyway. I keep wanting to say, who does the voice of Kid? I keep wanting to say it's, it's Anthony Daniels, but it's not Anthony it's, Daniels. It's William Daniels. William Daniels, yeah. Anyway, I knew it was a Daniels. So, yeah, look at the extras near the Seinfeld restaurant. Wow, I my notes just skip straight from... Oh, yeah, listen. Do you smell something? That's my next note. Uh... God, so they they interview the librarian briefly, and there's a bunch of jokes that I didn't get as a kid in that scene. Let me do my impression of the uh, library library honcho. What has that got to do with it? <laughs> my uncle thought he was Saint Jerome. I call that a big yes. Uh, and then they immediately bail, go down to the basement. Um, and favorite lines when I was a kid, uh, uh, somebody blows their nose and you want to keep it. (laughs) The listen, do you smell something is the perfectly sums up what I find funny. (laughs) That is like, yeah. Oh God. (laughs) What, what a great lead up. I'm I'm uh, gonna like, like even like the amount of beats that it takes to get to to the gray lady. Yeah, this yeah, there's a shit ton of jokes. And I don't know, I'm gonna I've been reflecting I haven't watched the twenty sixteen Ghostbusters in a while. <clears throat> but the the but the thing I enjoyed it when I watched it, but the thing about that movie is that it suffers from that era of comedy, which is like, let's improvise everything. Linearama style. Yeah, and that, I don't know, this, obviously a lot of Bill Murray stuff is improvised, but, like, a lot of other jokes you can feel are written, and that's the difference. It does go to to show that, like, the the chemistry in in the writing of this movie, you know, because, like, all these guys have been working together for, for, for so many years, like a decade at least at this point. Yeah. That... You're just going to have that, like, well-oiled machine of it all. Yeah. That reminds me, uh, Bill Murray was uh, <laughs> our age when he made this movie. Uh, we need to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel... I thought about that, and I was like, well, that sucks. 
so it sucks for me. Yeah, the the whole library sequence, I'd love it. Um, I'm trying to think. What other stuff? <laughs> I love how New Yorker of a question. Where are you from originally? Yeah. <laughs> Which a line that comes back <laughs> in the next movie. All right, in a podcast. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you had anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's 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 so hard to uh, just like not tread into just fucking reciting the movie line for line. Um, Th- this is slowly going to become the Chris Farley shows. Like, remember, remember that scene? Yeah. Here's this line. That was that was awesome. I think that's what all after show podcasts are. Is there, remember when this happens? Uh, that's every Ghostbusters podcast as well. That isn't about like you know new Ghostbusters news. If it's just about the movies, it's like yeah, this is all it's gonna fucking be, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. I've talked about the extras outside. At least, at least when it comes to like the beginning of this movie, as we kind of get into the meat of the movie, I kind of like my notes started picking up. But I, I think that's just a thing that's going to happen with me. It's like at the beginning of these flicks, it's just going to be me just being like, just like wallowing in it. Just like, ah, yes. The comfort blanket that, that this is. I love that's, it. Yeah, that's what this movie is. Um, My next note, I know we, well, we're skipping over a lot of shit the, in my notes. Because my notes go from... I, w- the- yeah, I mean, okay. All right. So I, I, have, I, do, I have a few things that I haven't written down that I can talk about. Because they come back from the library to Columbia and they are met by the Dean. Hey, Dean (laughs) Yeager. Dean Yeager, who is the first of several just, uh, smarmy, stiff antagonists in, in all of Ghostbusters, everything. If they're a bad guy or if they're, yeah, if they're trying to stop the Ghostbusters, and they're not played by Kurt Fuller. They're gonna. They're gonna sound like this. That is a uh, recently like so, uh, something. A recent thing that I wish it 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 is left movies and needs to come back. But recent comedies, for some reason, like don't stick it to authority figures enough. And that's what I think 80s, 80s comedies do so well. Because <clears throat> Reagan's president at this time. Yeah. So all the comedians are like, well, fuck all you. Like, you know, all these authority types. And like, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. But yeah, I'm thinking of like Ghostbusters. I'm thinking about Stripes, Spies Like Us. Like all these, like, yeah, fuck you to the government movies. Well, so that's something I was actually going to bring up later. Because what ends up being like the the, the larger... Well, the, the the secondary antagonist, I guess you would say. Uh, I guess it would go Gozer and then Walter Peck. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, like, it, yes, stick it to the authority authority figures. Like, but however, this is like in the middle of, of Reagan's, you know, fucking, uh, 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 like, you know, length in office or whatever the fuck. And like... The fact that it's like bureaucracy, red tape, and the EPA and regulation that is like trying to stop the progress of our heroes mm-hmm. is like pretty out of time and out of place during the Reagan era where there would be like as little regulation as possible. And if anything, like at least on a, on a, on a federal level, like the Ghostbusters would probably be heralded 
business wise as as entrepreneurs yeah um that that they're trying to be you know and they probably would have like gotten the call like from the uh, down to the epa to just be like no 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 let them do their thing it doesn't matter pollution we don't give a fuck yeah so i found that i found that like interesting kind of like a bit of a um uh, uh, uh dichotomy to to what the the time actually sort of was yeah you know. Interesting. Yeah. I since he brought up the EPA, I got to bring this up. Uh, that seventy millimeter print that I saw at Music Box back in mm-hmm. beginning of twenty sixteen um, featured a magnetic sound that they had to stop. They had to, the process to make the magnetic sound. Magnetic sounds common back then, back when they made this stuff. But they had to stop it because the EPA found it uh it it affected the environment so so somehow so the EPA had to step in and stop them from making prints of ghostbusters that's uh pretty pretty <laughs> ironic poetic what am i looking for here funny All is what i say pretty yeah. funny <laughs> pretty nice oh man all right um, so from there they they're kicked out we've talked about mm-hmm. And then they decided to open up a business. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Like, literally, this is one of those, like, movies that have affected the way that I speak. Uh, Because I'll just say things in a cadence that it is in this fucking movie. Yeah. And it's so specific, people just think that's the way I talk sometimes. The thing, yeah. Specifically for me, it's mostly Dan Aykroyd. Like mm-hmm. I'll do improv scenes and just talk as fast as possible. Sometimes, just because Nick, I think that's funny. Nick, when's the last time you've done an improv scene? Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while since I've done an improv podcast. But like that was something that like uh, other 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 podcasts, Riverside Falls slash Riverside Law, we would slash preppers slash preppers. Which I think those guys died, but um, we we uh, there'd just be certain scenes in which I would just ramp up the speed and just try to go faster and faster and faster. And I think that's mainly because I would drink coffee right before, and yeah. then like I think like halfway through the episode, I would start talking real fast, and that's because yeah, that's halfway through you just start basimaticing us, and we're just like, okay, it's just me just trying to fuck with everybody. I'm trying mostly just trying to make Nick Wilson laugh. I mean, that's that's the goal, honestly, yeah. in anything you do. Oh, uh, it's been a while since I've improvised a scene. It's been a while. Um, they take a mortgage out. They, or they take a third mortgage out on Ray's childhood home. Uh, Egon calculates what the interest will be outside the bank uh, instead of doing it when it's happening. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. And then, yeah, they, they buy the first place that they look at, which is a firehouse, which uh, another sidebar, when I first moved up to Chicago, there in my neighborhood in Rogers Park, there was a firehouse for sale that had me thinking wild thoughts of, well, buying a firehouse and then not knowing what to do with it. <laughs> is, that, is that place a condo now? <clears throat> uh, I believe like some upstart... Uh, like media company, like bought it and moved in there and probably closed within a year. They, um, <clears throat> so in Chicago, I attempted to go to the family matters house and found out it had been torn down and replaced with an ugly ass condo. That's what happens. Uh, I hate it. That, uh, 
I don't know. Parts of Chicago, it, it's losing its charm. <laughs> Definitely with shit like that. Anyway, I fucking hate condos because of that. Um, Where are we at? Oh, yeah. So then they get the firehouse. And Rip, how many times have you walked up to a pole, looked at it, and then say to no one, hey, does this pole still work? And then slide down it because mine is probably in the thousands. Um, every single time that I played on my playhouse in the backyard, uh, <laughs> that I made my dad like, uh, uh, like veer off of like the instructions on how to build it. Like it was just one of those like Home Depot, like prefab playhouses mm-hmm. that, um, my dad, uh, just being the, you know, like semi handy type, like he would start many projects and not finish them. Uh, and he would like try and customize them as the, to the way he thought were, was cool. So for my playhouse, um, I made him build onto there a zip line like in Home Alone, nice, a fire pole like in Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. and then uh, a water slide into our pool. Problem was blank check. We, we had uh, well, sort of. We had an above ground pool. Oh no! So he built a third story to this playhouse that he took the slide that was just supposed to go from the second story to the ground safely was now <laughs> suspended on a platform <laughs> into <laughs> our above ground pool with no railings on the side to which uh, we would eventually start. What we would start doing is uh, he also like cut a little hole at the top of it. So you, we could like rig the hose mm-hmm. to like just stick in there. So it was like a little bit of a water slide. So like we wouldn't stick on the on the slide, uh, but what we would eventually do is we found out like if you would jump from the top onto the middle of the slide, it would then ricochet you out into the pool. How are you not dead? It's a very good question, Nick, and I'm glad you asked. My uh, my daycare growing up <clears throat> went to a place called the Learning Tree, and the Learning Tree had a I think it was like a four story structure like that. That had a pole, and I would just go, hey, does this pole, you know, constantly slide down yeah, the pole. And it was uh, next door to a firehouse, this place. And one day, for like a little field trip, we went to this firehouse, and I was having a ball at this fire- firehouse, because I was thinking about Ghostbusters the entire time. And then one of the firefighters had the idea, hey, let's turn on the alarm that goes off whenever we get a call and have to go out. Rip, it was deafening. It was so loud that I burst into tears and could not stop crying. Oh, no. It was horrible. Like, I was just like, I was having such a great time until that moment. It was just like, it was just like crying going, what are you? What are, why, why are we here? Oh, man. I, I do not look back fondly on this learning tree. One year for, or excuse me. Yeah. One year for Halloween, I was a ghostbuster. My mom made the costume. She bought like a mini flight suit. I had the, you know, the real Ghostbusters proton pack as my mm-hmm. proton pack. I had the ecto goggles from that they sold that had like slots for darts next to it as my goggles. And I went to the learning tree as a Ghostbuster. And um, of course, I was a child. I was like four years old. There was nap time. And at nap time, I swear to you, this fucking happened. I woke up. One of the people who was watching us was wearing a Freddy Krueger mask standing over me. Like, nah, that man. person would go to jail today. 
That's why I never napped at nap time. But uh, uh, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Well, listen, when you're running around as a Ghostbuster all day, you 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 lose all your energy, so you sure. got a nap. I get it. That's so what coolers are for. Uh, so what I did was as soon as uh, I hit the teacher and then I jumped up and then ran to get my proton pack because what I immediately thought was I better bust this. Like, that's my thinking. Hell yeah, it is. Rip, I want to tell you, I thought Ghostbusters was a documentary as a kid. <laughs> I really did. I thought it was a job I could get. I mean, we were so young by the time we probably first saw it. Like, there's no, like, it's still a gray, blurry line between, yeah. like, what what fiction you're seeing is, is real or not. You know what's funny about the, this movie? I watched it when I was probably three years old. I would not show this movie to a three-year-old. No. Not at all. <laughs> like, maybe, like, a, like a, a one-and-a-half, two-year-old, because they're not going to fucking remember, you know? Or at least they'll have, like, trauma. You yeah, know, but like buried deep inside. But like, I, you know, I, I, I owned the VHS. It was mine as a gift, like from that age on. And mm-hmm. like, I, what's the youngest you would show a, ch- a child this movie? Like, I'm going to say like 12 or 13 at the youngest. I would say 11. Yeah, fine. I'll meet you there. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of adult content in this film. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. There's a lot of jokes people would get, which recently, uh, I don't know if you've watched it yet, but Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Not yet. That movie is full of jokes that uh, kids would kids would enjoy that movie, but that's one of those movies that like a mm. kid would love it and then not understand the jokes, and then later on in life be like, damn, this movie's kind of dirty. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's, that, that's why I like that movie so much, because it harkens back to movies, you know, that like... They're fun. They're okay to for kids to watch, but they got some fucked up jokes. Um, there's also three. There's also three poles in this firehouse. No, like yeah, in the scene where they get called to go to the Sedgwick, like, and they're eating the the what represents the last of the petty cash. Yeah, slow down, chew your food. Uh, there are three separate poles that that there are in this that are that are in the shot. I thought there was just one. I gotta rewatch that scene now. No, and in uh, in the video game, there's at least two. But yeah, yeah there are three poles in that shot. Huh? Because I just didn't know that the because the one that goes down to the the wardrobe closets mm-hmm. that's the same one that Ray goes down when they're looking mm-hmm. at the place. Really? Because, yeah. or at least, so Vankman goes down one while he still has his Chinese food in his hand, and that's yeah. also like right in front of the wardrobe closet. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Hmm. Well, well, listener, we'll have to go back and watch. Or you can just yell at us on Twitter. I'm at Nick Lathan, and Rich is, Rip is, of course, at Rich Candy. Thank you. C-A-M-I. That's right. What was I going to say? Um, God. Oh, yeah. The but only yeah. Ghostbusters podcast that argues about the number of poles in the firehouse. Hey, listen, that shit matters, dude. Um, it does. But yeah, I actually did think this was a documentary growing up and like I wanted to be a Ghostbuster and then later, of course, found out that it's made by some dudes that were on SNL. And then, of course, from there, you think like this, that is like, okay, that's my gateway to become a Ghostbuster. (laughs) Is if I get on SNL, I can meet Dan Aykroyd and then he can deputize me to be a Ghostbuster. I'm telling you, if they ever made a Ghostbusters the next generation with Ghostbusters children, I could be Ray's kid, I think. 
Yeah, I, who's I don't know who's kid. I, I I would be I would be able to be Belushi's kid if he would have been in the movie. <laughs> yeah, you could be Slimer's kid. How's that? <laughs> like talk about doing so. It's it's widely known that like Slimer is a tribute to John Belushi. He's specifically based on Bluto from Animal House, which who is of course played by Belushi. Yeah, which gets lost in the in the sauce. Because it just, like, the fact that ends up getting disseminated is that's supposed to be a tribute to John Belushi, which, when you look at Slimer, you're like, and it, all of Slimer's actions, you're like, did you fucking hate this guy? <laughs> no, it's out of love, man. I, I we, we know that. But, yeah. like, when you just, when you lose that part that's, like, it's Bluto, but you're just like, oh, man, they really thought their friend was a piece of shit. Oh, man. Slimer's so good. Let's, Slimer's so good. We're jumping over something I want to talk about before we get to Slimer. Um, yeah. Okay. Dana Barrett. Right, great introduction. Go, Absolutely. You know, getting out of her, going upstairs, all that stuff. We we met Lewis in one fell swoop. It, it helps establish what you don't know will be integral to the movie. Like you get to establish sort of like the layout and the architecture of the building, mm-hmm. you you meet Lewis, you get what his deal is, um, and then, yeah, and then you go into Dana Barrett's apartment. You can really tell that Dan Aykroyd wrote 800 pages of a script. <laughs> <laughs> because they have fucking thought of everything in this movie. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you, have, you have a question, there's a fucking answer for it. Yes. Because later on, I did not notice this until the first time, like, this most recent time I watched it. Um, thank God Winston and Ray were out busting ghosts with yep. all the equipment Yep. or else they would not have the equipment later on in the movie. Like, and, I, and the jumpsuits as well. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought about this later on. Like what, it would be so funny if like you had like, Winston, you had like Zetamore stance and then like two more Zetamores. <laughs> uh, there is, I shit you not in the 1990, 1991, uh, uh, season, of the set of uh, Series 1 NBA Hoops cards. Mm-hmm. There is a, a Sam Vincent card. Who was, a, who was a fucking nobody. He played for the Orlando Magic in the early years. Literally fucking nothing. But the, in that card, there is a shot in the foreground of Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And why this is of note is because Michael Jordan is wearing a number 12 jersey. And, and you must be thinking to yourself, Michael Jordan famously wore number 23 yeah. and 45 for a little bit. What had happened was before the game, somebody broke into the locker room and I believe this had to have been an away game. Someone broke into the locker room and stole MJ's jersey. Of course they did. And so Jordan had to wear someone else's jersey that they just happened to have a a double of. And so he wore the whole, that was the only time he ever wore the number 12. And so like this scrub of a player, Sam Vincent, his card is like, artificially inflated in value because of this weird Michael Jordan anomaly. That is strange. And uh, that's what would have been funny if it had happened for like the whole third act of the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Is is you got Peter and Egon wearing <laughs> Winston's jumpsuit. I would it's, it's that's like a, a good too long on them. Yeah, that's a funny joke. I think that yeah, if I had made this movie, it would have bombed at the box office. Um all right. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, her introduction's uh, great because you, you, there you introduce their relationship, the layout of the apartment, um, kind of what she does, and then so, 
so this apartment. It, we're talking Central Park West. Yes. It's it's in, you know, it's prime New York real estate. And this doesn't exactly seem like a building that would be rent controlled. Yeah, I was <laughs> one of my notes is how much does the cellist make? The, so what what else do we know about anyone else we know that lives in the building? Louis Tully. He's an accountant. Yeah. I kind of see it with him because mm-hmm. based on that party, he knows all the loopholes and he's like making the most out of his money. He's making his money work for him. I get mm-hmm. that. How much does a cellist make? Grant, she's she's a she's on the high end of, ch- of cellists. She's, she's a- you know. She's the best the, one in her row. She's playing clearly, <laughs> uh, you know, and she's playing it. I'm assuming what is the New York Philharmonic or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, but like, Phil Phil Hartmonic. But is that enough? Are you making enough to be living in a in a corner apartment? Yeah. Uh, in a in a in in a high rise in Central Park West. With like a very spacious kitchen, a really well-sized living room, and a full bedroom. I'm gonna tell you this. I think Dana, uh, her parents have Wikipedia pages. I, I, <laughs> I literally have written here. Dana's got to be fucking loaded. Family money. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. How much does a cellist make? But that uh, I want to talk about this. The special effect. First of all. We're getting our first bit of foreshadowing for the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man with some Stay Puft Marshmallow Packet on the um, on the counter next to the eggs. Which is really th- throughout the film. Like, you see ads for Stay Puft Marshmallows, like, almost everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's really cool. What I, because I thought about this most recent viewing, is we should have seen a straight up, it would have been great if she had turned on the TV and we saw the end of a Stay Puft commercial. Mm-hmm. Like a cartoon, like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Yeah. If they had made this movie today, that we would have had that. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then it goes into the Ghostbusters commercial. Yeah, it would have been. A, it definitely would have been a little more overt. Yeah, the uh, which that commercial. I'm gonna loop back to what I was talking about earlier. But that commercial, I love it. I think that's the reason why I love local ads so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this. I I look at Egon every time. Every time I watch this movie, I do not go to Bill Murray. I go to Harold Ramis. Yeah. Every time because. His performance is mainly just subtle looks and it's so good. But like in this, in the commercial, he clearly looks at his marker, walks to it <laughs> and then looks up, says his line and then steps back and looks at its marker again. That he was, he was the least actor of all of them, like, which makes sense. Uh, but it is, it is definitely uh, endearing for sure. He's also in this movie full of baby grins. Yeah. Which is what uh, uh, Stan the Dry Bear uh, coined on the whack pack of when it like you make that little smirk where it's like you knowingly farted, but a little <laughs> bit. And it has the same look as like a baby makes when after it just like fills its diaper a little it, bit. Just like. Yeah. Yeah. Harold, Harold Ramis. He's he's probably the, to me like I know everybody talks about uh, Bill Murray, but like. Sure. Yeah, he's probably the best part of this movie to me. Egon is when you grow up, when you become an adult, you know you become an adult when you appreciate Harold Ramis's performance more yeah. than 
Vakeman in this movie. Because I've I've written down a bunch of stuff throughout the my notes that's just Egon specific. Because I'm just watching him the entire time. Uh, literally, my, my next my next one is uh, you know, Egon, fucking calling his shot, saying Print is dead in 1984, son. Yeah. Uh, but before that, I want to talk about this. The special yeah. effect with the eggs popping out of the carton and then totally. roasting on the counter. That is such a good special effect. I, I still don't fully understand like how they did that. What they had to do was they had a counter that was hot, of course. But it has to only be hot in certain places. Yeah. Because you're going to burn everything else up. You got the bag of marshmallows right there. There is a, on the DVD, which has the Mystery Science Theater 3000 style commentary. I have to look that DVD up, but there is a special feature that explains how they do that. And the levitating special effect. Mm-hmm. They explain how they do that as well, which the special feature that I watched last night has the shows the rig. It's basically it's like a metal casing that they put her in. Yeah. But for that special effect, from what I can gather is they had the eggs and the eggs have uh, like holes in the bottom, of course, Mm -hmm. and they shoot air through it and spit Mm -hmm. out the yolk and and onto the counter Mm -hmm. and then it cooks. That's how I'm assuming they did that special effect. Okay. Okay. That's how I would do it, at least. Well, let's, let's set up an egg carton. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll do a Mythbusters episode. Uh, ghost- <laughs> Fuck! Why did they never do that? Yeah, they. I did. I wonder if Mythbusters. I know. I know. I've watched Adam Savage because I'm a bit of you know love all that maker stuff. Yeah. And I've watched Adam Savage. <laughs> There's an episode in which he builds the ecto goggles, but the whole majority of the episode is him upgrading his vacuum form machine. So it's an hour long. Do you think like, oh, it's going to take them an hour to build? It's like, like ninety percent of it is the vacuum former, and then you finally like he makes a buck for the ecto goggles, and that's what they use in the vacuum forming. And that's probably it takes up probably twenty minutes of it. Anyway, where are we going from here? So yeah, then Dana, we cut to Ray pulling up uh, with ecto one. Yeah, oh, hey, you can't park that here. Oh, man. I love that they have a cheap-ass sign, and then once they make money, uh, they upgrade to the sign we all know and love. Actual professional signage. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and, and, you know, it isn't a fun little, um, you know, twist, little, a little, little wink at the audience, you know, just at the storytelling that, you know, the Ecto-1 was a hearse. Yeah. Or, well, a, not a hearse. It was an ambulance. It was an ambulance. Yeah. It that I'm look. sure plenty of people died in. Yeah. I said hearse <laughs> just because I had the curtains in the back. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, this scene with uh, when Dana enters the firehouse and Ray is uh, fixing the Ecto-1. Mm-hmm. Um, listener and, and Rip, I don't know if you've noticed this, but look at all the Coke cans that are all over the place. Ray has got, Ray's got a Coke, like a Diet Coke can on top of the uh, toolbox he's got. And then one of the drawers of the toolbox is pulled out, and there's a Coke uh, in that toolbox. And then later, when they go to Dana's apartment, there are two Coke cans in her two refrigerator. Two different Coke labels. Yeah, and one of them is in the shot, of, is in Vinkman's close-up. Another one's in uh, Dana Barrett's close-up. Okay. So, and, yeah, and go ahead. what I'm about to bring up is the reason for that is because Columbia Pictures back then was owned by Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and while we're on the <laughs> topic of the refrigerator, um, it was, it is, I realized that this has stressed me out for 30 years of my life. 
the uh, and maybe it's because I'm a Virgo. Maybe I have some slight undiagnosed OCD, but the refrigeration organization exhibited by Dana Barrett is absolutely abysmal. Did you look at and, all the junk food? <laughs> did you eat this stuff? It is. It is. There's no rhyme or reason as to the placement of anything. I don't know how she fucking finds anything. I don't know why she was going grocery shopping. The refrigerator was full. I want to know why. Well, it's full of uh, demon dogs. Full of demon dogs, dogs too. But I want to know why she had the... Who who keeps their bologna on the top shelf? It's... Again, like I said, the organization was just absolutely all over the place. Like, I understand... No, I don't understand. She's a cellist. What else is she going out there? What kind of busy fucking humdinger lifestyle is she leading that she can't, needs to just uh, throw things in and just pull grab things out when she's in the fucking refrigerator. It is, I, I it do, is stressful. To based off at. based off the montage later in the movie, the only thing that I know that she does is she restrings her cello and she makes stir fry. That's and the does only, aerobics. And does aerobics. Those are the only two, three things well, I know. She, she comes back from aerobics. That's, yeah, you're right. Those are the only two things she does in that apartment. Yeah. Because no, we know nothing ever happened in the bedroom. Yeah. What a crime. <laughs> <laughs> how much, my next note, how much does a cellist make? Oh, um, so th- the next after this, is they go to the, uh, they go to Dana's apartment. And there's that whole creepy encounter with Venkman. I, the thing he does with the piano, I do every time I'm by a piano. They I cannot this. help myself to just hit to the two him. end of the keys. Just <laughs> this. I wanted to torture him. Oh, it's so good. I think I've done uh, that a few times. It's also, it's a great tour of the apartment for when we see it later when it's all blown to shit at mm-hmm. the end of the movie. Blown to shit and slimy. Yes. Well, no, I'm talking about even after that when um when they're like heading upstairs oh, and yeah. you just see like the piano just like, just to smithereens. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, what do I have next? Oh, the uh, a character moment that I liked was when they were upstairs, you know, eating their last of the petty cash, and Janine Janine's downstairs. She's putting on walking Sneakers. shoes. That's a super New York thing. Well, it's a super like uh, uh, commuter city thing. Yeah, and I was just like, that is such a good character moment. Like it's, it's very detail. very subtle good detail. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I know I have I have friends who, of course, work in Manhattan and commute, and they of course switch. Well, used to not anymore because of COVID, but um, you know, have work shoes and then they have going home shoes. Yeah, love it. What else we got? Okay, uh, <laughs> the cleaning up the town. The we got one on that mm-hmm. shit. I'm going to chef's kiss that. I love it so much. It's probably, that's like one of my favorite sequences in the movie. So much so that every time I watch this movie as a kid, whenever Janine yelled, we got one, I would go from, I would go from my living room where I was watching to the movie, run to my bedroom and put on all my Ghostbusters gear (laughs) and then run back into the living room and watch the rest of the movie dressed as a Ghostbuster. Oh my God. That is some Rocky horror shit right there. My friend that rules. 
I say that's adorable because I was four years old at the time. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> see, what this does to me now is that pisses me off that I didn't do the same thing. Yeah, that I didn't think to do that. Yeah, I, I did it. I did it every time. And I think I watch Ghostbusters probably once, at least once a week. Yeah, every week going yeah. growing up. Oh, because I had a, I had a. Fuck, I st- that's good. Fuck, I'm I, pissed. I hate myself. I still have the VHS because uh, we we get like free trials for premium channels, like cable, you know, movie channels. And I have a VHS tape that uh, it has the top line. It's written in my mom's handwriting. It just says Ghostbusters 1 and 2. And then up underneath that, it says Batman. Oof. That's a whole, whole that's a whole ass afternoon right there. That is that is the best VHS tape ever. <laughs> that is good. I got to go through some of mine. I don't think I have any that rival that. Mostly because they're all like a movie and a wrestling pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh man, yeah. God, the cleaning up the town. I don't know when it's a good time to talk about the music of this movie yet. I don't know if we should talk about it in the middle. I mean, I'm ready whenever you are. You know, this is a big scene coming up with the the whole the, the Cedric Hotel and Slimer and I mean, just just a lot of fucking classic shit. You know, oh, in this man. run, like this is a strong run. Okay, now, oh, now I know why that note is. Okay, so when they get to the Sedgwick Hotel, we'll do it after this. We'll talk about the music after this. We'll take a short break because I feel like we need to because we're an hour and 15 minutes in. <laughs> and then we'll come back and talk about the music and then we'll continue with the movie from there. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Do you think the Sedgwick Hotel is named after the street, the Sedgwick Avenue? I'm going to say yeah. Just for the Chicago ties alone, because it's near. Because Sedgwick is the is the Brown Line stop you get off on to get to Second City. Yeah, I man, yeah, I I've oh ever since I learned there was a Cedric uh, uh, in Chicago, like I've always just kind of operated under that assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, that I mean, that just gets me off into something that I kind of wrote down for later, but. There's a there's a Laramie Street in Chicago that's like in West Chicago, mm-hmm. and I always think about uh, I was like, are is, is Laramie cigarettes in The Simpsons named after Laramie? And I'm like, no, it's probably not. Probably not, but yeah, um, yeah, man. Uh, you know, you got the the fucking the elevator sequence. You got the the hallway sequence. Vakeman getting slimed. You got. <laughs> Uh, uh, the, the thing that I would always try and replicate with like candy cigarettes that happens to Ray when oh, yeah. he sees Slimer and the cigarette just hangs and dangles off his lip. I do that. I will, I will, I will be an asshole and walk up to my friend and be like, who's smoking? And be like, Hey man, can I have one? I'll take one. <laughs> I'll lick my lip, attach it on there and go, bank man. And just try to get the cigarette to fall off. <laughs> yep. Um, when they first get there. And they walk in, which that that whole part of them just getting to the Sedgwick is so good. With the fucking Ecto-1 pulling up into mm-hmm. the frame, and you see the logo and all that shit. And, um, but when Vinkman walks in and goes, hey, has anybody seen a ghost? I want you to go back and watch Egon. He looks so annoyed with Vinkman. He does. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also like, you gotta think, it's their first job. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like, like Harold Ramis is clearly giving a, come on, man. Like, it's yeah. that look. It's that kind of look. Like, fuck, sh- shut up. Like, a ghost? 
Oh God, it's yeah, and it's funny watching this because on the VHS, this whole scene, it's it's one big long tracking shot of them walking from the entrance to the elevator, talking to the guy, all one take, and all the VHS. They, it, Harold Ramis even said it in the MST3K style commentary on the DVD that they always cut him off because every time you watch it on VHS, it's, it goes Bill Murray, then Michael Inslee. I think his name, and then Dan Aykroyd, like the three of them, but like you can like see Harold Ramis's shoulder, and he's like yelling from off screen, you know. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Yeah, uh, you got them almost uh, murdering a cleaning lady. That part's funny. Uh, I watched the special feature last night, which they didn't. They told the lady it was going to be a minor power technique, and it wasn't. <laughs> oh God. And so the what the hell are you doing was like what legit. The hell are you doing? Uh, I also watched some uh, deleted scenes from the scene cemetery. Uh, and there was a scene they shot with uh, a, a, a honeymooning couple. Yeah. In a room on the 12th floor, which, uh, you know, would have been the only scene that doesn't follow any of our main characters. Yeah, that's, uh, that's weird. Which, like, as soon as. The scene started, I'm like, this is weird. This is fucking off. I don't like this. This yeah. is, this is, this is, so, I'm so fucking glad they got rid of the scene because it is, it is just off. And like be, the actors are not really that good yeah. either. Like the whole thing is just fucking off. That'd be a great short film. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. if they were to remake, if they were to make Ghostbusters today, that would legit be like, they would turn that into a little short film starring these people. Or it would be, uh, <laughs> like they would take the opportunity to shit on like fucking ghost adventures and shit like that. And it would be like a lock in at the Sedgwick hotel. And then like they actually get confronted with ghosts and have to call the ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, an idea I always had for a teaser trailer for a future ghostbusters movie would be like, cause you know, like there's a, there's the pair the found footage horror movies. Mm-hmm. And I would just think like it, you would be watching this trailer and you'd be thinking it was a, like, I was like, here comes another found footage horror movie. And then, like, it's, like, paranormal activity shit, and all of a sudden the Ghostbusters show up. And, like, oh, surprise, it's a new Ghostbusters movie. Hell, yeah. Like, you would only play in the theater. It would not be online. Like, that would be a great, great teaser, I thought. That's just good marketing. That's what that is. That's what I do for a living. Um, Going back to the maid, uh, I don't know if you watch her every time. They're talking in the foreground. Uh-huh. But in the background, she uh, there's a flaming roll of toilet paper, and she's yes. trying to put it out with a spray bottle. And yep. it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> uh, and it's also it's the first time we see the, the uh, you know, a proton pack effect. The new, the neutron one, uh, the yeah. proton stream effect. Yeah. Um, you know, which again, just like, still, still it still looks fucking great. Yeah. The... <laughs> That part always makes me laugh. He's like, switch me on. And then Egon and Harold Ramis being hilarious. Like Mm -hmm. his move to like get out of the way of the radiation. Yeah. (laughs) Which is is very funny because like you're in the world's smallest elevator. That's not going to do anything. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then you got all the hallway hijinks and then you get the ballroom. Why worry? Ballroom. (laughs) Why worry? Each one of us has a nuclear accelerator strapped to his back. An unlicensed yeah. uh, <laughs> emphasis on unlicensed. Yeah. Which, you know, like plants the seeds for them getting shut the fuck down uh, later on in the movie. That, um, 
that hotel set, I feel like it's just two hallways and they make it look like it's about four. And um, I think it was used in another movie before this. And it's just a leftover set they just repainted. I have yeah. to look I have to look this up. I think somebody on online has said this, but I I don't have that with me, so I got to look it up. Um excuse me. What do we have next? Oh yeah. They track Slimer down to the ballroom in which when Ray's looking through the ecto goggles, the first image you see of Slimer is a peanut. They painted green. Oh, I didn't know that. And when he's going around the chandelier, it's like yeah. it's it's like blinking you'll miss it. Well, you'll see him, but like it's a peanut they painted green, huh? <laughs> Which I think is fun. Um, classic lines in this scene: the flowers are still standing. I looked at the uh, trap, right? <laughs> uh, uh, when my dad used to fucking say this one all the time, like whenever we were like washing the car and had the like the spray nozzle on, mm-hmm. just and and I was spraying for too long. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nice shooting, Tex. <laughs> that part cracks me up because, like, they're just shooting everything willy-nilly, and the quick shot to the exploding cake is so funny. Yeah. Like, that cake fucking ex. Like, it is, like, they put a stick of dynamite inside this piece of cake. <laughs> anyway, that shit's funny to me. Which, they brought that back later in the video game. Yeah, when you go to yeah. the Sedgwick, you can shoot the cake and it explodes like that. That that just detail just made me laugh my ass off. Yeah. Oh man. And yeah, don't look at the directly to the trap. I looked at the trap, Ray. Oh, that's so good. I love it. It's a good sequence. Anyway. Five thousand dollars? I won't pay it. <laughs> that's okay. We'll put it right back in there. No, 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 no. <laughs> That guy, he popped up in something else I watched recently. I was like, oh, hell, it's Michael Inslee. I think that's his last name. I know his first name's Michael. So immediately from this, you know, uh, no job is too small. No fee is too small. Or no, no job is too big. No fee is too big. Uh, you know, immediately we hit the, the, uh, the success montage. Right. Yeah, which I think we should take a little break right now because we're almost an hour and a half in, friend. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.